The irony with birthdays are the older you get, the less breath you have to blow out the candles. According to your age, each one of us has a psalm, has a chapter in the book of Tilim. In other words, when you're first born, you start with chapter 1, and each year, as you get older, you continue to add one more chapter. So if someone is 50, you say chapter 51. If, you, if you're 56, you say chapter 57. Mm-hmm. Chapter 57, the number of the chapter is Zon. 57 is Nun Zayin. Zon means to satiate. Hazon et olam. We say it in the Brikat Hamazon in the Grace After Meals. God is the one that satiates the entire world. This is a, a chapter, a psalm, that satiates a person with betachon, with trust and faith in God, to overcome danger. Danger of death and danger of torture. So when you're in a peril, in a very challenging moment, this is the psalm that one can recite. It begins with the words, Lam al tashchis. For the conductor, which is King David, a plea to be spared from destruction. By David, a michtam. David named his psalms by different terminologies. This one is called a michtam. When he fled from Saul in the cave. Al-Tashchis means that David Amalek, King David, asked God when Shaul, the king, was running after him to kill him, God, Al-Tashchis, please do not destroy me. As Rashi tells us that David Melech is now pleading for his life. He says, God, you're in control. It's up to you. I'm begging you. I'm praying to you. Please do not kill me. Do not allow me to be destroyed. That is the simple interpretation according to Rashi. According to the Targum, as the Rebbe Rashab explains, there are two interpretations here. Number one is, on one hand... Davra Melech is afraid from being captured. Because if he'll be captured, worse than death is being tortured. And therefore he is asking God, please, Al-Tashchis, I don't want to be tortured. Number one. Number two, he's also asking God in the reverse. If I, if I capture Shaul before he captures me, I'm afraid I'm going to kill him. I don't want to kill the king of God the king that was anointed by Almighty God. Every Jewish king is anointed through the prophet. And therefore, he is the anointed of God. I don't want to kill the anointed of God. So, protect me. I don't want to have any confrontation with him. He shouldn't see me in the cave. He should walk in and walk out. And that's what happened. So, the prayer is al-tashchis. Now, the question is, how can... King David make a double plea like this. They are contradictory. One is, I shouldn't get caught. And if I get caught, I may be tortured. Number two is, I don't want to kill him. Two opposites of the spectrum. And we know when there's more than one interpretation on a verse or a letter, they complement each other. So how is it possible that both of these opposite views 
should have one concept and complement each other? And the answer is the word michtam. David wrote a michtam. What is a michtam? It says the Gemara that the word michtam is made up of two words. Mach and tam. Mach means humility. King David was the most humble person. And number two, tam. Tam means complete, but also earnest. Whatever he did was with tremendous earnestness before Almighty God. When a person has the quality of humility and the quality of earnestness, then opposites make sense. When you are very bold and arrogant, then you cannot go beyond your box. You cannot go outside of your comfort zone. But if one is humble and supple, then you're able to, to handle two extremes. And therefore, David Melech was able to ask for these two opposite contradictory requests by Almighty God. Number one, not to be captured and tortured. And number two, that he should not kill King Saul. Similarly, we go on to verse number two. Chaneni alikim chaneni. Favor me, O God, favor me. Here Rashi gives a similar interpretation. Why the double terminology favor me twice? Favor me, number one, that I shouldn't kill King Shaul. And number two, favor me that he should not kill me. Again, this double approach. And then it goes on to say, Uvitzel kinefecha echaseh. And in the shadow of your wings, I shall take refuge. We mentioned this concept numerous times. Why do we compare God to the shadow? A shadow. And we know that a shadow is really caused by us. When we move our hands in one direction, and there's a sun, it causes a shadow. We move our hands in the other direction. It also causes a shadow. God is our shadow. God is the sun. In other words, the way we establish ourselves, that is the way God reacts towards us. If we say, I am happy, and I will be happy today, everything in your world will be happy. If you say, I'm going to be miserable today, I'm going to find reasons to be miserable, God will be your shadow, and he will make you miserable. So really, we are the makers of our own fate. We create our own destiny. God is our shadow. And God follows our lead. That is the power that God gives each and one of every, every one of us. Okay. We now move on to verse number three. Ekra lelikim elyoin lokel goimer aloi. Which means, I will call upon God. How can one call upon God? One calls upon God when you read the Torah, when you study Torah, you are calling God, literally calling your friend, literally calling your father. That is the concept of Kriyat Torah. If you go to a synagogue on Shabbos, they take out the Torah. It is called the Kriyat Torah, the calling of the Torah. That's the literal translation. We don't say we're going to read the Torah. We don't say we're going to learn the Torah now. We say now, come here, Kriyat HaTorah, calling the Torah. Because really, when you study Torah, you're calling God like a child to a father, Daddy, Daddy, save me. Or you're calling your, your friend, come over here, I need to talk to you. And God allows himself 
to be called by us mortals when we study the Torah. And furthermore, lekeil goimer aloi. The God who fulfills for me. The Yerushalmi, the Talmud, Jerusalem Talmud says something very powerful over here. The Jerusalem Talmud says that the heavenly court responds and listens to the court down here. When the court down here makes a law, the heavenly court follows the laws of the courts down here, of the rabbis down here. And this is not only true for a court, but really each individual has this power. Let me explain. There's a famous story in the Tractate of Chulin, page 7, side 8. The famous Holy Tanner, author of the Mishnah, one of the authors of the Mishnah. His name was Pinchas ben Yair. Pinchas ben Yair was the father-in-law of Rabbi Shimon ba He was a holy, holy Tanner, a holy, holy tzaddik. And he was once traveling to redeem captives. It says from charity, the greatest level of charity is to redeem someone who is taken captive. And so he was going to redeem a captive. And as he's going, says the Gemara, Poga Begini Nahar, which means he came to the river of Ginai, the Gini River in the Euphrates, Euphrates. And over there, the river is flowing. He has to cross over. He says, river, split into two. The river responds to him and says, hold on. You're doing God's will. I understand. Very nice for you. I'm also doing God's will. My job is to flow. So what gives you the right to tell me what to do? Pichas ben holds his ground. He says, I decree that if you don't split right now, the waters will never flow through you again. And the river split. The Gemara says, he was even greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, let's understand something here. Why did he have the right to tell the river to split? Seemingly, the river had a very good argument. Hello, you're doing God's will. You're redeeming captives. Thank you. You deserve a feather in your hat. But I'm doing God's will too. I'm working 24-7, making sure the waters are flowing. But the answer is, the water is within the world of nature. A Jew, a Yid, that has a chilik, a mimal mamish, that has a soul of God in him, that person is beyond nature. Each one of us here is beyond nature. Each person, a Jew, or a Noahite, or a human being that does the will of God, transcends nature, and is above the laws of nature. Our job is to bring God into nature by doing a mitzvah. So therefore, Pilchaz ben says to the waters, I decree you split right now. If not, waters will never flow through you again. We find a similar story with Avraham Avinu. The Medrash says that God told Abraham, take your son Isaac and put him on the altar. <clears throat> Connecting to the parish of the week, Vayikra, it's all about sacrifices. And as Avram Avinu was going, the Satan appears in front of him as a big river. And he begins to walk and the water is up to his neck. 
And he turns to God and says, the water has reached my neck. But he continues to walk, and the water disappears. Why? When you decide that you are going to do the will of God, there's nothing in this world that can stop you. But you have to be confirmed and affirmed and make that decision with tremendous connection and love and conviction and then there's nothing in the world that can stop you. The Baal Shem Tov goes so far to say the following, that every single Jew has the power to split the sea. All you need is a handkerchief. You put down the handkerchief on the water, you stand on the handkerchief, and you go across. It's known many stories. The Baal Shem Tov used to cross rivers by taking out his handkerchief, putting it down, and he would go across. But he says, in order for this to happen, you have to have a tremendous belief, to internalize that belief that I could do it. And to believe that we have a soul of God and we are beyond nature. If you have that belief, each one of us here today can cross the river. All you need is a handkerchief. So this is the meaning of Lekel Gamer Oloi. God who fulfills me and fulfills my requests. Because we, every single one of us, has a power to go beyond nature. We now continue verse number 9. Urach voidi ura hanevel vechiner ira shachar. A famous song here in verse number 9. Awake, my soul, awake. And then it goes on to say, I shall awaken the dawn. To this, says the Gemara, I shall awaken the dawn, but the dawn shall not awaken me. And this is brought down not only in the Talmud, but it's also brought down in the Code of Jewish Law, which makes it a halacha, that really one should awake before dawn. Because you should awaken the dawn, and the dawn should not awaken you. And so says the Tur, that one should be strong like a lion in the morning to get up, and to awaken the dawn. As the Talmud says, as King David says, I awaken the dawn, but the dawn does not awaken me. In other words, even though King David was a king, and we know that most kings sleep in in the morning, they get up later than the average person. But King David said, I awaken the dawn. Now the Alter Rebbe brings us down in the Code of Jewish Law, in chapter number one. And he says, what is the meaning? I awaken the dawn, and the dawn does not awaken me, says, midas This concept is the concept of the average person. Now let's understand this. The Taz, a commentary to the Code of Jewish Law, says the following. The Taz says, what does the concept really mean on a deeper level that I awaken the dawn or the dawn awakens me? Each one of us has within us a soul. And therefore we have 
our personal his root, our personal awakening to do the right thing. But sometimes we need God to awaken us to do the right thing. In other words, in life, every day there is a heavenly voice that comes out from Mount Chorev, from Sinai, and gives us inspiration to want to do the right thing. And then there are times in our life when we have highs, like a bar mitzvah, a wedding, a bris. This is a time of divine awakening. God forbid the opposite, times of tragedy, of death, of loss. Those are also divine awakenings. Says King David, I don't need the awakening from above to get me motivated. I awaken the dawn. I don't need the dawn to awaken me. Now that's a very bold statement and a nice statement, but it's not a real statement. Because the Gemara says, if not for the fact that God helps you, we would never succeed. Because the power of the Yetzirah, the power of the evil inclination is so strong that it's overwhelming. So we need God's help all the time. So how can King David say, I awaken the dawn and I don't need the dawn. I don't need God to awaken me. And what's more challenging and more difficult to comprehend is the statement of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe writes, the zoo midas and this is the approach of the average person. You mean the average person doesn't need God's salvation? God's inspiration to do the right thing? So the answer is like this. There are three different levels that we're talking about here. In the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe says that the average person is called the Benini. What is the average person? The average person has the ability to be perfect and not sin. That's the average person. The wicked person has desires to sin and unfortunately they succumb to their desires. A tzaddik, one who's holy, a real righteous person, like in every generation there are three tzaddik, 36 tzaddikim as a whole. And then there's one like perfect tzaddik, tzaddik Yusoid Olam, the entire world stands upon his shoulders. That person has no desire at all to sin. That person is a constant inspiration for the world. So says the Al-Drebbe, we're talking here about the average person. What does that mean? There are three levels. The first level is the Russia. The Russia, as we said earlier, means the wicked person, but he's not really bad. He has tendencies, and he has what we call tavot. He has temptations, and he succumbs to those temptations or addictions. So the Russia clearly needs God's inspiration, because if not, the Russia will definitely fall and violate the most base qualities and mitzvos that are clearly a violation of the Torah. So in other words, the Russia needs God to inspire him not to break basic 630 commandments of the Torah. That's called taivis isurim, desires for prohibitions. But that's not the majority of the people. The majority of the people are people that will not do evil. They will not do wrong. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's prohibited, it's prohibited. But we have what you call taivas heter, desires for permissible things. 
What does that mean? There's a famous Hasidic adage. Das was mit that what you're not allowed to do, you're not allowed to do. And thus, was and even the things that you're allowed to do, you don't have to do it. Because you're allowed to doesn't mean you have to. So in other words, ice cream is kosher. Kosher ice cream has an O-U-O-K, kosher. Because it's kosher, does that mean I have to eat 10 pounds of ice cream a day? I'm allowed to, it's kosher. No. Control yourself a little bit. Eat only five pounds of ice cream a day. <laughs> brownie, yeah, it's kosher brownies, made in a kosher pot. Everything, all the ingredients are kosher. I made a bracha, it's kosher. Because it's kosher doesn't mean I have to eat 20 pounds of brownie a day. No. I can eat two pounds of brownie a day, it's also good. So that's called typhus heter. I have a desire for permissible things. Here's where the Bainini, here's the Bainini has the challenge. The average person has the challenge now. It's kosher, it's okay, I'm allowed to, so why not? But I know that God wants me to control myself. God wants me to have discipline. And then you have the third level of the tzaddik. The tzaddik has no problem with, with taivis hetir, with desires for permissible things, but his battle, his challenge, is to constantly go higher, higher, and yet higher. Now let's go back to the statement of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe says, I awaken the dawn, but the dawn does not awaken me. These are referring to Taivis Isra, the desires for prohibition. And the average person has that ability to overcome that. And you don't need to say, God help me with that. Because you have to be disciplined enough as a human being to say, no, I can't steal, I can't kill. I can't break the Torah laws. That's, that's, an, that's a given. Where do I have my struggle? Where do I have my challenges? Tivus heter. When it comes to, to things that are permissible. Now, should I do it? Should I not do it? So this is the general concept of verse number nine. Ire shochar, I awaken the dawn. I have the inner strength to overcome what is right and what is wrong. I have that moral compass. And finally, verse number 12, Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Above all the earth be your glory. Tavremelech always ends at a high note, even though he's in a cave and his life is on the line. He has tremendous betochen, Tremendous faith in God. He commits to making new resolutions, to studying more Torah, to doing acts of goodness and kindness, to overcome all those temptations. And he talks about the Messianic era when God will be, when God's glory will be upon the entire earth. One of the ways that we bring about the ultimate redemption is through Avas Yisrael, loving your fellow as yourself. The temple was destroyed because of sinas chinam, unwarranted hatred, and therefore we have to love each other unconditionally. In other words, even when you have good reason why you should despise that person, even when you have good reason why you don't like the person, this is our daily challenge. We have to overcome that, that deficiency and still love that person. Think for a moment, if that person was your son, your daughter, your child, your only child, 
who you waited for 99 years to have, and that child did this wrong thing, you would still love that child because it's your child. Make believe that person is your child. And overlook those faults. Overlook those deficiencies. There's a famous story told of two brothers who had fields on either side of the mountain. One of them was married with children and the other one was not married and had no children. And so the one that had no children said, look, my brother, he has so many kids and he has to raise them. He needs more food. He needs more money. So at night, when everybody was asleep, he would take a few bundles of wheat and he would walk up the mountain and down the mountain and put a bundle of wheat on the other side for his brother to have more food. His brother, who had the children, said, you know, my brother has no children. And one day he's going to get old and nobody will be there to take care of him. He needs more money now to be able to take care of himself in his older years. And so he would, each night, climb up the mountain and go down the mountain and drop a bundle of grain on the other side of the mountain. And this happened for a number of years, till one night, both of them are going up the mountain, and they meet each other on the top, and they look at each other, and they realize what was happening. Traditionally, it is told that this is the mountain upon which God built the Holy Temple. For God said, on a mountain where two brothers love each other and care about each other unconditionally and care about the other more than themselves, this is where I want to dwell and bring my Shekhinah and bring my presence. It's a challenging request. It's difficult, yes, to say I have to love someone like myself and this is something we need to work on every day. But by doing so, Ruma al Shamayim alikim by doing so, God will be exalted above the heavens. And then he will come down, and above all the earth will be his glory.